0: Now that you got sat down, I've got something I need you to do. Um, And maybe we, I need for you to have a Bible. I don't know if you brought your Bible with you, but if you could make your way to the back and find one, uh, we're going to, you're going to help me preach my sermon this morning. And there's also some handouts right on the little table beside the sound booth. And uh, I'd like to have about four people help hand those out. Um, Let's see, where's Carl at? He was here. Dustin, could you help me out? Um, Tom, could you help me out? Emily, thank you. If you could uh, see to it that most people get some of those or every couple or so forth, something like that. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know me, I'm Phil DeBoof. I lead the pastoral care team here at Third Church, and it's a privilege to be able to uh, minister God's word to you today here in the auditorium. And um, Tell you a little bit more about myself. If you drove in and saw that pickup with a motorcycle in the back this morning, that's mine. Uh, My Vulcan, I'm tired of not being able to ride around here, so I'm just going to drive until I can find some warm weather and no wind. (laughs) I might be at it all week. I don't know. Uh, But seriously, uh, I'm headed down to Kansas City, and I don't think it's going to be much warmer down there. But just in case, (laughs) I've got the motorcycle along. Today, we're going to be reading from James... But before we do that, I like the book of Romans. (laughs) I love the book of Romans. It has verses like, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the the flesh but after the Spirit. I like the verses in Romans that says... uh, uh, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. How many of you have cried out to God this week that way? Lord, I need you. I need you now. I need you to be my father. I like the verses in Romans where it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know how to pray what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with words that can't be uttered. And then I like the verse in Romans that says, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Don't you like that kind of a verse? (laughs) Goes on to say, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Did I ever tell you what that verse meant, more than conquerors? This is kind of a crazy, crazy explanation of that, but uh, imagine a boxer going into the ring. He fights 15 rounds. He's bloody, uh, but he wins the fight, and the, the referee takes his arm and walks him out of the ring. He's a conqueror. He brings the prize check home to his wife. She's more than a conqueror. <laughs> Think about that a little bit. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love those verses, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the book of Romans, and then there's James. (laughs) Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you fall into trials of many kinds, for you know that your faith works perseverance. Per- perseverance creates character. I was with a family in a hospital room this week, and we talked about that word perseverance, and it's kind of like running the two-mile in track, you know? <laughs> you can't even sprint. You just, you're just slugging it out all the way around. Hopefully, you can make that eighth lap. Perseverance is a tough, hard word. In fact, I was going through the book of James this week and, and I was getting very uncomfortable <laughs> with a lot of those zingers that he throws at you, one-liners like, uh, if you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is useless, he says. Be hearers of the word and not, or be doers of the word and not hearers only, he says. And on and on and on, James just kind of, if, if the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments was like a shotgun, boom, 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 thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. James seems a little bit like a rapid fire assault weapon that says, don't do this, don't do that, do this and you'll be okay. And sometimes it can be a little perplexing. But today I want us to look at James in a little different way. And, and uh, first, the first thing that we're prone to do when we look at the book of James is we make a list. So I'm going to let you do that today. That's what that list is for that you, that you just got handed out. Um, and as we read through the text, I want you to think about the things that he's telling you, knock it off, <laughs> and the things that he's saying, just do it. I'm calling this my Nike sermon, all right? It seems like James is kind of that kind of guy. Just do it. So as we're reading through this text, it actually goes from James chapter 1, verse 19, through chapter 2, verse 13. I want you to make a, create a list in your mind or on the piece of paper, and I'll give you a little bit of time after we read it to look at some things we're supposed to knock it off (laughs) and some things that we're supposed to just do it, all right? So let's read God's Word together. Verse 19 of chapter 1, my dear brothers, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Can I stop and meddle for just a little bit? Has anyone let go of their tongue a little bit this week? (laughs) I have. (laughs) How's that make you feel? If you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is worthless. Hmm. Think about that next time you want to have a little bit of loose speech. Ouch. Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Then he goes on. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name by whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbors yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. And maybe I could add to that, since most of us probably aren't in the adultery and murderers camp, uh, if you show partiality, ouch, (laughs) you've become a lawbreaker and you're guilty of them all. See why I say James is kind of tough? He hits right where it hurts. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. People of God, this is the word of God. You, God. So what I want you to do with that little sheet as we read through this, I want you just to think about it and you can do it in a group of three or four or if you'd like to do it by yourself, that's fine too. Uh, groups of two, whatever works out where you're sitting. Uh, What are some things that James is telling us to knock it off, and what are some of the things that he says, just do it, all right? We'll take about two or three minutes just to kind of uh, see if we can come up with six or eight of each of those, and then I'll have you share some of them. All right. Now, how many of you would like to share some of your discovery with us today? What are some things that we're supposed to get rid of according to this passage of James? Anyone want to start us off? Yes, Preston. Uh, favoritism. favoritism. Good. Anger. Anger. Ooh, that's a toughie. Yeah, Joe. Just listening to the word. Just listening and not doing. Okay. By the way, um, talking about what Joe just said, have any of you ever gone up to a pastor after the service and said, "That was a wonderful message," and then they call your bluff? Have you ever had that happen? I had that happen just Tuesday. I meet with Pastor Kevin every Tuesday, and uh, and uh, I really did enjoy his message on t- uh, last Sunday. and And the first thing I said, Pastor, that was a really good message. And he said, What stood out to you? Uh, <laughs> I, from the laughter, it's happened to somebody else, hasn't it? That's hearing the word and not putting it into practice, Joe. Okay. So, what's some others? tight reign okay so loose speech maybe we could say huh anyone else being polluted by the world, being polluted by the world. wow any others do not insult, insult the poor good right back here do not, do not murder and do not commit adultery what what else did we see in here any more we'll give two more Okay, moral depravity. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, love your neighbors yourself. We'll move right over to the just do it side. Love your neighbors yourself. What other instructions does he give us to do in this passage? Yes. Swift Be swift to hear. Yes. Lay aside evil. What's that? Lay aside, evil. Lay aside evil. Very good. Show mercy. Show mercy. Good. Yes. Be joyful always. Be joyful always. Wow. Be a, Be a disciple. Pastor Kevin's been talking about that, hasn't he? Not just a Christian, but a disciple. Look after orphans. Look after orphans. Humbly, accept the word. Humbly accept the word. Eric, we're coming back to that. That's a key one right there. Humbly accept the word that was planted in you. Any more? Visit, widows. Visit the widows. I like to think of it this way, do good to people who can't do, who can't reciprocate. A lot of times we've got an angle when we do a good deed. Uh, We want something to, we we look for ways for it to come back to us instead of just doing it because. Anyone else? Honor Honor to the rich and the poor without favoritism. Thank you. All right, well, I made kind of a goofy list that, that, and most you covered most of them already, but if we could have slide one, the knock it off. Uh, hot temper, I didn't hear that anywhere. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands. Any hot-tempered folks in here? Got a short fuse? <laughs> okay, knock it off. <laughs> That's what James says. He says, be swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then I've got... Blah, 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 blah. Those people that just talk all the time without having anything to say. He said, be slow to speak. I don't think James says it, but I like to say it this way. God gave us two ears and one mouth, so maybe it'd be good if we used them in that proportion. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Uh, There's a scripture in 2 Timothy 2, verse 16 says, avoid worthless and useless talk because by indulging in it, you become more and more ungodly, okay? Uh, hot temper, he said, man's anger doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires, the righteous life that God desires. I know the Bible talks about righteous indignation, and there is a place for that. I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of our anger doesn't fall under that category. I'll just leave it at that, okay? Okay? Um, moral stupidity. It doesn't take a rocket science to know that evil is prevalent in our day. And those next two go together. Moral stupidity, just doing stupid stuff. James says, knock it off. Okay. Um, I, I, think about Galatians chapter five, we talk a lot about the, the fruit of the spirit, but what's it say right before the fruit of the spirit? It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, those moral things, that evil participation, knock it off, James says. Put it off. Convenient forgetfulness, that's the one we mentioned earlier about listening to the word and not putting into practice. The man who looks in the mirror and conveniently forgets what he sees. Or we, we listen to a message and we conveniently forget when we walk out the door how to put that into practice. And that hits me hard. I have... Uh, I honestly thought about just sending you all over to the sanctuary at the 915 because I listened to, past, I was in the eight o'clock service and it was powerful, the message that Kevin gave. But one of the things he said, how many sermons have you heard in your lifetime? I'd hate to think about it. I, I, that'd take a calculator for me. Now, and then he said, are you doing it? And he told the story about a preacher down in Florida who preached the exact same sermon seven weeks in a row. And it kind of ticked his congregation off. And finally they said, when are you going to preach us a new sermon? He said, when you start doing what I preached last week. (laughs) Convenient forgetfulness. Knock it off. (laughs) The next one. Loose speech, someone mentioned that, not keeping a tight rein on your tongue. And I, I was just picturing this week all of us walking around with a bridle and, and, and holding our tongue in check. And I wonder if we, or maybe we need to have a muzzle or some duct tape or something. I don't know. Somebody said the tongue, well, James said, he said the tongue is an unruly evil in chapter three. He said, and it puts, it'll set a big fire out of a small little kindling. And um, he said a uh, uh, the tongue uh, People have been able to tame many wild animals, but the tongue no one can tame. The good thing is God gave us a cage to put it in. So if we can't tame the tongue, at least just shut your mouth, all right? Knock it off. That's James talking. Okay, discrimination, partiality, and evil judgment. He talks about in verse uh, chapter 2, and he said, when you do this, you've become judges with evil thoughts. And you need to understand that this church in Jerusalem that James was the pastor of was in extreme poverty. Uh, Jerusalem had been hit hard by famine, by uh, political control of the Roman Empire, and the people who named the name of Christ were not able to do business. They were not able to attend the schools. They were not able to have a voice. They were not able to have anything. They were poor and destitute, and about 2% of the population controlled all of the wealth in that day. And he said, for James to say, don't show favoritism to the poor, uh, he was. Uh, he said, when a rich person comes into your church, can you imagine if if you lived in Jerusalem church and you were that in that much poverty and a rich guy came in, man, I can just imagine. They'd all be, uh, let, let's suck up to the rich guy, shall we? Maybe he's got a donation to give to the church. Maybe he can help us out. James says, why are you doing that? He said, you're making evil judgment because God has chosen the poor of this world to inherit eternal life and to inherit his promises. So he said that partiality, that discrimination, that evil judgment, it isn't about just uh, poverty lines. It isn't just about social status. It can be about color. It can be about uh, race. It can be about a whole lot of things that we discriminate. Uh, can I be honest with you? Well, maybe I better not. I used to, Wendy, will you forgive me for what I'm about to say? I used to have a real problem with tattoos, and I judge people because of tattoos. And then one of the elders and a guy that got elected to be elder in my church, he had tattoos over both arms. And I thought, how's this gonna work? And I gave him my little tattoo sermon. You know what my tattoo sermon is? We're supposed to be a temple, not a billboard. (laughs) That was was my tattoo sermon. And then then I got to know this guy. His name was Joe. And he had a heart for God like nobody else I had ever met. And I thought, okay. (laughs) Maybe people can have tattoos and still go to heaven. (laughs) Just maybe. This was a long time ago, okay? (laughs) I'm just telling you, that's how we judge. Am I telling the truth? I don't know what it is for you. Another hang-up I have is, and we won't go here, but politics I judge people by their... And and that goes nowhere. Let me tell you, it goes nowhere. All of that stuff, James says, is evil judgment. So knock it off. (laughs) Okay. Now let's get to the things he's telling us to do. Just do it. He says we're supposed to be quick to listen. In other words, we have our ears open. We we had a, a... Seminar in our staff meeting on Tuesday, we watched a video about political discussion, having grace-filled political discussions, and the the ones that it was a a conservative and a liberal who were giving this speech, and and uh, they said they wrote a book together, and the name of the book was "I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening." I thought that's a good posture to have. This James isn't telling us just to uh, be have an open mind and not have views about anything or have convictions about anything but he does say listen have your view but listen don't close your mind to your brother and sister in Christ listen maybe we can come together and we can find out that we we agree on a whole lot more than we disagree on be quick to listen someone else mentioned to be humble and receptive to the word of God that's planted in our hearts Then the next one I have is practice what you preach. Don't just hear it, but put it into practice. I think there's more damage done to the church of Jesus Christ by people who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. And I've been there, done that. And your words fall empty if your life is not backing up what you say. So practice what you preach. Then he says, look intently into the word. Pastor Kevin this morning in the earlier service said, if we don't entertain God's truth, we will entertain Satan's lies. People, we need to be filling our minds. That's where the, pla- that's where the battleground is. That's where culture is trying to get its, fang, its uh, grip into us, its claws into us. And if we, allow, if we don't fill this with the word of God, if we don't entertain God's truth and let it saturate us, we will entertain Satan's lies, and it's all downhill from there. So in the battleground of the mind, look intently into the word and be transformed. Uh, another one is pollution control. It says, keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Now, I don't know what that means, except there might be some times to shut the television off. There might be some times when you say, okay, enough is enough. I, uh, Nader, can I, can I share just a quick story? Nader's my buddy over here, and I'm gonna share a little bit more of their story in a little bit. But uh, several months ago, Nathan Van uh texted me, and, and he was asking about a certain television show and said, "Is that a, should I be watching that? And I thought, what a great heart for a, for a young man. Thir- are you 13. 14, you, uh, growing up on us, 14-year-old Nathan is asking, should I be watching that? And it convicted me. And so I texted him back, and I said, well, here's my rule of thumb, Nathan. If I could have Jesus sitting on the couch with me and watching that show with me, we're all good. But if I'd be embarrassed about what came on while Jesus was sitting beside me, maybe we'd ought to shut it off. And we didn't text back and forth for quite a while, and I was in the hospital with him just... Uh, or no, I was in their home last week, and he said, you know what? I haven't watched that show since I talked to you. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it, Nathan. That's the way to have pollution control in your home. All right, then authentic hospitality. Uh, we have an opportunity. Brett's gonna show a video a little bit later how we can have authentic, po- uh, uh, authentic hospitality in our homes And that's not showing favoritism to the rich or the poor, but that our home is open to all and that we can have that as a place to meet together at a table and share the goodness of God together. Practice hospitality in the church, in our home, on the job. And then show mercy. And this is where I really want to land today. Verses 12 and 13, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy... Will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, when I was reading this this week and I got to that part that says, if you break one of the laws, you're guilty of all of them, it was just like somebody knocked the wind right out of me. Because I thought, here I am making a list again. I couldn't even keep the Old Testament list, and now I'm just adding more stuff to it. How am I ever going to be able to do this and keep them all? And it it hit me hard. It says, Phil, you'll never be able to do it. It's hopeless. I'm having a hard enough time with the Big Ten, let alone all these that they're adding on. And then I read that last verse that says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And it hit me really hard that we are never, ever in our strength going to be able to live up to the standard that God desires. And I don't want any of us to walk out of here with a new list. You got your list? If all we can do is come to church and get a new list of how to try to behave, we've missed the point. But if we walk out of here humbly accepting the word of God that has been planted in us, then it can grow into fruitfulness. Because you see, at the cross, Jesus did everything right so that we could have his righteousness. We aren't made righteous by following the book of James, as much as I appreciate the practical teaching that's in this book. We are made righteous only by the blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross. Don't ever forget it. And you know, there's a, there's a danger. As we gain time in our walk, as we get more fluent with Scripture, we become better judges. <laughs> and we actually become hearers of the word and not doers of the word when we start to look at everybody else, when we start to even uh, uh, walk in condemnation ourselves, because Romans does say, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't let James beat you up, okay? Is that a fair statement? What he's trying to do is plant in us a living word of life. In fact, I want, you to th- I, I want to say it this way. James is not about converting new covenant freedom into old covenant bondage. Rather, it's about humbly accepting the life-giving word into the fertile, mellow soul of our hearts so that fruit is natural and abundant. And that's why that verse, Eric, that you mentioned earlier is so important that we humbly accept the word that is planted in our hearts. Why do you say humbly? Because I realize I can't do it. I look at that list, it says, knock it off, and say, oh man. And then it says, just do it, and I think, it's impossible. And that brings me to a point of humility that says, Lord, I can't do this, but you can through me. Plant your word in this mellow heart of mine that I've broken up the fallow ground and received the seed of the word of God so that it can be fruitful and grow into a beautiful plant. I don't want Third Church to be a place that keeps all the rules. I want third church to be a place that's in love with Jesus and his word is alive and growing in us. So soak it up folks, soak up God's word, not so that you can memorize it, just memorize it and then walk out of here and live as you please, but soak it up so that you can be transformed by the nature of Jesus Christ. I'd like to share two real life stories in closing today. Um, Two real-life stories in real time that happened to me just in the last three weeks. And praise team, if you want to come on up. I mentioned Nathan earlier, and thank you for being here, Veningans. When I asked him if I could share this today, they said, well, yeah, but with one condition. Sometimes when you get up there and talk about a family, everybody thinks they've got it all together. And they said, we don't have it all together. Is that fair? (laughs) Hey, we're just walking this with you, okay? We don't have it all together either. But I watched, I went into the hospital room with uh, Nathan on, I don't even remember what day it was. Wednesday, maybe? Tuesday? (laughs) It all runs together, doesn't it? Wednesday, thank you. And I want to tell you something about this guy. He changes the atmosphere of every room he's in because he's in love with Jesus and it shows. And he had just—he was waiting on an MRI that was looking for more cancer. He's been fighting it for two years now, a little over two years, and he was waiting for uh, to get an MRI. And then there was—it was, was going to be a three-hour MRI on his spine and his back and his brain, because they were concerned that something, some new developments, did not look good. So they had that going on. Um, and then they had to wait for the MRI to be, <laughs> to be read and to get back to them. And They didn't know how long that would be. It could be a few hours. It could be a few days. So you can imagine what that was like. And yet when I came in the room, Nathan was all about the love of Jesus, and he's okay. He's okay. And I want to read just a little bit from the Caring Bridge that that they shared on that day. The message on Sunday was James 1-2 about finding joy in facing trials to test your faith and get perseverance. All four of us immediately thought about Nate's cancer. My first reaction was enough with the trials. I'm over it and I don't even want to persevere, and how in the world am I gonna find joy in it? Anybody ever been there? See, Sonia, you're not alone. I'm over it and don't want to persevere. I prayed about it in the morning before I had to take Nate into the hospital, And I did get nudged that there has been joy in this. Little did I know he wasn't done with trials that week and that we'd have to face the scary tests again. I won't tell you all the joys I found, but the biggest ones are it has helped us to live less in the world and rely more on God. When they tell you that your son has a 40, 50% chance after five years, you can't fix it yourself. It's the worst news and shakes you to the core. You have to rely on the Lord, family, and community to get you through. Some people wonder how we do it and keep on going. That's the simple fact. It's bigger than what we can do for sure. Thank you for being our community. Thanks, and Engins, Jeremy, Emily, Nathan, Sonia. And the other story happened on Good Friday. Real life story of people who are not just hearing the word, but they're putting it into practice. I was, uh, you remember the Good Friday service in the sanctuary? And at the end, we have a, had an elderly gentleman that had in the advanced stages of Parkinson's disease and was determined to go down for communion. And his name is Bryce. He's a, he's a, a friend of mine. And he and his wife came down and he could only take steps about like this. It's all the faster he could go. And I met him halfway and I said, Bryce, can I bring communion to you here? He said, no. He didn't say get out of my way, but I think that's what he was trying to say. I'm going to the front. And first his wife served him communion and then he could barely move his hands, but he reached down, he grabbed the cup and the bread and served his wife. The whole line got backed up for a long, long time but nobody minded because the gospel was being acted out right in front of us. But the best was yet to come. I walked back with him, took a long time to get to the back of the sanctuary and we sat in the back row and then the praise team started singing this song and to the top of his lungs, as best as he could sing, Bryce was singing, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. So this morning as we stand and sing with the praise team, don't just hear the word, be doers of the word, just like Bryce, just like Nathan. If you'd like to receive communion, uh, please do so. If you'd like to take your list, your change list, your knock it off list, your just do it list, bring it to the cross, bring it to the communion, realize that he did it all for us, okay? So let's sing together as we stand.